guys, and welcome to episode number 146 of the Pioneering Today podcast. Today's episode is I am taking questions straight from our free homesteading and old-fashioned pioneer living Facebook group and answering them here for you on the podcast. So welcome. I'm your host, Melissa K. Doris, and this is the Pioneering Today podcast where we teach families how to grow, preserve, and cook their own food using old-fashioned skill sets and wisdom to create a natural, self-sufficient home with or without the full-on homestead. This has been a very exciting and crazy week on the homestead. So at the time of this recording, we are smack dab in the middle of the very first 2018 Modern Homesteading Summit. So if you are listening to this and it is before June 16th, 2018, it is not too late to get in on the awesomeness. So you can go to melissaknorris.com slash summit. So abbreviation for Modern Homesteading Summit, melissaknorris.com slash summit, and get your seat. And it has been so cool to see how many people are taking part of this summit. It just shows that there are so many of us who are not just dreaming, but we're actually doing and wanting to learn more. And we are serious about living the homesteading lifestyle. And of course, it looks different for every single person. But the beauty of this is we get to all learn from one another and take what we can and put it into use in our own lives. One of the things that I see coming up a lot is all of us want to have a beautiful crop from whatever it is we're planting. We want to get the most produce that we possibly can out of the things that we've put in, and we want them to be healthy plants because, let's face it, healthy plants are going to produce us more crops, right, which is the goal. But also, healthy plants require a lot less work and time and I don't think there's any of us who have a whole lot of time laying around or who want to do more work than is necessary. Now, as homesteaders, we're not afraid of work, but we don't want to add any extra when we don't have to. So one of the things that I want to talk today about is tomatoes. But this really can apply to anything that you're growing to your entire annual summer vegetable garden. One of the things that I want to talk about is watering. So watering is obviously really important to our plants, but we don't want to be having to water by hand because that's going to take the very most amount of time is if you're watering by hand. And the other thing is we don't want to be wasteful with our water, even if you have an abundance of water. But this is especially true if you live in a southern climate, you have drought issues or you have water restrictions that can happen too. And when you are watering with your plants, there is a balance. So you can have too much water, and this can actually be harmful to your plants, especially to tomatoes and some of those things that don't like to be overly wet, or you're not watering enough. And when it comes to tomatoes, making sure that the watering is adequate is really important in order for the tomato to grow and to draw up the nutrients into the plant, specifically things like calcium and magnesium, so that we can avoid blossom end rot, because nobody wants to deal with blossom end rot. Nor with tomatoes do we want to deal with blight. Blight is a fungus, 
and blight can wipe out an entire crop and then it can live in the soil. And the problem with blight is once your plant is infected, that's kind of it. So prevention is really our best policy. One of my favorite things that I have discovered when it comes to watering, and here in the Pacific Northwest, we don't really necessarily, sometimes we'll have drought conditions. The past three summers, we've had more drought conditions than ever before. But typically, we don't have water restrictions, and watering isn't a huge issue for us. But blight and overhead watering, aka rain or overhead sprinklers, can have a negative effect and will help introduce blight. Here is my favorite solution when it comes to watering, and that is soaker hoses. Soaker hoses are great because you can put them around your plants and you're only going to be using a small amount of water, but it's very, very effective. So a soaker hose, if you're not familiar with it, is basically a porous hose that leaks out just a small amount of water. So it's kind of like a drip kind of like drip irrigation, but a little bit different. So it weeps the water out of your hose and into the ground. So you don't have runoff because it's not coming out in a hard spray. You're not using as much water. And that water is concentrated when you place it at the base of a plant, just to the roots. The other beautiful thing about a soaker hose is you don't have overhead spray. So this can be true for your squash plants, summer squash, but especially true for anything in the nightshade family. So think anything that can get blight, especially tomatoes, potatoes, and your pepper plants. When you use a soaker hose, you're just watering at the ground. So you're not getting water and moisture all over the foliage, which is really what we want. And what I like to do, not only does this save time, when you're doing an overhead sprinkler and overhead watering, you're wasting a lot of water. And typically you can have that overhead sprinkler going, especially if it's over a large garden area, you can have that baby on for hours. And then when you go out and inspect the soil, just the surface is wet. It's not really getting all the way down to the roots. So you're having to water almost every day if it's really sunny and hot out. I like the soaker hoses, like I said, especially for your tomatoes, but really your entire garden. And the reason for that is with your tomatoes and really any plant, it's much better if you can do a deep watering a couple of times a week versus trying to water every single day. Or you don't want to go on the flip side and not water for like two weeks because you're so busy and then that's going to stress your plant out too. So really with the tomatoes specifically, what we do is I will use the soaker hose and my tomatoes are in an off-grid greenhouse. So basically it's a high tunnel hoop house. So they're not getting any of the dew is not falling on the surrounding soil or the plants at night. And they're not getting any rainwater directly on them, which keeps the blight away. And I love that, but it also means they have to be watered. So I water usually twice a week. If we're hitting really rare, like 90 degree temperatures for days on end, because they are under the off-grid greenhouse and the high tunnel, it'll get about 100 degrees in there. If we're getting some extended temperatures like that for like a week or so, then I'll bump it up in water three times a week. And I turn it on at night. So I turn it on about 8 p.m., that soaker hose, and let it go until the morning, and then I turn it off. And it's not using a lot of water, but it totally saturates the ground, goes all the way down to the roots, and they do wonderfully that way. One of the other garden tips that I've got for you is when do you put in your trellises or your supports? So going vertical, which if you caught the Homesteading Summit from the beginning, then you already got to listen to the Vertical Gardening Presentation by Jill McSheehy. And we've got more gardening presentations coming up in the Modern Homesteading Summit, including 
permaculture, hydroponics, so many good things. But going vertical is great. And I go vertical on our homestead, even though we have a lot of space. We've got almost 15 acres. But going vertical has many, many, many advantages. One of them is you can fit more stuff in an amount of space. Some plants require trellising in order to be prolific, in order to actually grow. In the instance of pole beans, if you have a pole bean and you do not give it a trellis system, it won't grow and you're not going to get nearly the amount of harvest from it. And then other plants, your vining plants, such as your summer squash, so think cucumber, zucchini, any of them, even winter squash, as long as the trellis is sturdy enough to support the weight of the winter squash, typically they can be heavier and bigger, bigger than cucumbers and zucchini, depending that you actually harvest the zucchini before it gets baseball bat size. But when's the best time to put them in? I put in any of our trellis and support systems. They go in at the time of planting. There's a couple of reasons for this. The first reason is it's going to save you time. If any time we can do batching, so think about you're already out there. You've got all of your planting stuff putting in your plants, either being from your small starts or seed, you are already out there. It does not take really any more time, maybe a minute or two to put in the support system at the time of planting. So when we're planting our pole beans, we actually put the poles in and then I plant the seed around the base of the poles. Now, if you were to do it the opposite way where you plant everything and then you wait until it's big enough that it starts to need its support system. So it's starting to send out its vines or its tendrils and it's getting larger. Then you're taking another block of time and you're going back out and doing everything. And so you're kind of taking double the amount of time. So we always want to be saving ourselves anytime that we can. But the other reason is once those plants are, have started to grow, their roots are going out deeper they're bigger. Their root system is bigger, right? But you're needing to get that support system up close enough to the plant so that it can reach it and train and climb on up it. You run the damage of actually hurting the roots by putting in your support systems and your trellises when you're pounding them into the ground. So you're going to save yourself time and possibly some health of your plant by putting them in at the time of planting. Another thing that is very common when it comes to our garden and time is weeding. Weeding can suck up a whole lot of time keeping that garden neat and tidy. One of the things is to use permaculture. And permaculture is one of the presentations in the Homesteading Summit. And that's going to involve, well, permaculture involves a lot of perennials, which works great too. And you can go back to some of our past episodes where we talk about adding perennials into your garden and all of the links and resources for this episode you can always find at the website. And this specific episode is melissaknorris.com slash 146 because this is episode number 146. And I will link to those previous episodes so that you can dive in further. But when we're also talking about your weed control is I've got a couple of different methods and it's gonna you're going to pick what works for you and you may choose to do several of these. One is to mulch. So if we can smother the weeds, essentially, that is going to help a lot. So in between your rows or in between your planters, you can put down heavy mulching, you can put down sheeting, but you're going to be trying to smother those weeds and that's going to help with your weeding. Another option that you have, and this one can be kind of 
controversial, but I'm just putting all the options out there. We're all going to pick what works best for us is when you're planting in your annual vegetable garden, so not with your perennials, but with the annual vegetable garden is to leave enough space between the rows that you can fit a tiller, a rototiller between them, and then just do a very light surface till in between the rows to get the weeds as they come up. Now, a lot of people don't like to use tilling. So just saying these are different options. You pick what you want to do on your homestead. Then we've got a third option. And this is the one that we have used, especially with the kiddos. So if you've got kids or family members who are on the homestead and helping out, and they should be helping out if they're eating the food, we do a rotation of weeding. So every day, we can pick some days it's going to, you're going to have more time. Some days it may be 20 minutes to a half an hour. Other days it might be five or 10 minutes. Occasionally we miss a day. But if you can do a little bit every single day and rotate your way through the garden, you're going to keep it weeded and you're going to keep on top of it without needing to have those two or three hour blocks, depending upon the size of your garden and how bad the weeds have gotten. And it is easier to weed when those weeds are small. So if you can stay on top of it, it's a lot easier. So you can just take a hoe when they're just starting to come up and just kind of scrape the surface and you're going to disrupt their root system when they're little. And it's a lot easier and a lot faster to do a big section or to do that than it is once they're big and you actually have to pull them all the way up from their roots and do it all by hand. Then our fourth option is, now this is going to depend upon your weed, but a lot of the weeds, what we consider weeds, are actually edible and they have medicinal properties. Now, if you're ever going to eat anything or use it medicinally, you need to be one hundred percent sure you know that that plant is edible or that it is medicinal that you have identified it and there is no doubt that it could be a look-alike or you're wondering I don't know like is this or isn't this right because there are plants out there that are poisonous if we eat them so you want to make a hundred percent sure before you start using things edible wise or medicinal wise that it is safe and that it is what you think that it is but that being said there are so many things that grow in the garden, chickweed, purslane, lamb's quarters that have me- are totally edible and they also have medicinal purposes. And again, if you're part of the Modern Homesteading Summit, you're going to be learning how to do that with quite a few of them. And if you're listening to this and the summit is passed, no worries. I have got links for you that will take you into that within today's podcast episode. You can go back to some future episodes and blog posts and learn more about that. So you've got quite a few options there for staying on top of the weeds. So I want to thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I'm going to share with you the verse of the week, and then I've got to get back to getting the rest of the presentations up and ready for you guys. Today's verse of the week comes from Joshua chapter 11, verse 20. And this is the amplified version of the Bible. For it was of the Lord to harden their hearts that they should come against Israel in battle, that Israel might destroy them utterly and that without favor and mercy as the Lord commanded Moses. Now, at first glance, you might be, yikes, that's kind of a harsh verse. But I just was going to read from you straight from my Bible journal with my notes on this verse. The Lord hardens the hearts of his enemies when they need to be destroyed. This is my prayer. Lord, please keep my heart soft so I can hear and heed your voice and don't let me grow calloused. 
And that would be my prayer for you as well. And if you are looking for more community and more support and places where you can ask questions very similar to the ones that I have answered here today on the podcast, then one, you want to get registered for the summit. But two, we have our private Facebook group so you can request to join. And you get that invite when you register for the summit. But you can also find that in the blog post for today's show. Or you can go to melissaknorris.com slash group and request to join. So thank you guys so much and have a fabulous week and weekend. And I will be back here with you next week. Bye for now.